to every volunteer, the Blast Kids Ministry. Thanks for serving well this morning. I know Jock, I don't see Jock, but thanks to him as well. Coffee Cafe, I know you up and running, so thanks for that. And then to all the pastors in the house as well, thank you for your years were. Um, I'm going to call upon, I've got to read it out. I could not memorize these names. It is it's old school Afrikaans, if you will. I'm going to call on Donald William van der Westhuizen and his wife, Katerina Maria van der Westhuizen. That is my plug om het te lees. Please come forward. It is our honor to invite you forward. It is new members service as well, and we want to welcome them to the house and the family. I'm going to come down. Yeah, please give them a hand. Stand by order. Now, please, when you greet them, please don't go, what's it now, we Katerina, we, it is as easy as Don, and for Van Oons, Oom Don, alright, I call him Sir, because he's always well-dressed, just look at this, this guy's got style, can we give him a hand just for his dressing style, that is amazing. Nou, ek weet, ons het al bykie gepraat oor die girls en die oon, maar ek kan verstaan, want daar is, daar is Sean Connery right there, en dan, it's true, ne, en dan, en asjeblief, dis dan die reeks, so makkelijk soos dit, so asjeblief, please don't go to all the names, we want to welcome you into this house, they've been visiting, you know their faces, but now you know them by name, please greet them today, and we want to welcome you, you are a part of the family, you've been part of the family for a while now, and I'm just happy that I've got the form officially now, and now we can make it official, I want to just say that we welcome people, not just as routine wat ons moet we do it based upon the word of God, and many times in the Word of God, you will see how people greeted each other in the name of Christ. And this is it. We welcome you into the house in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then the scripture, after they greeted in the name of Christ, they glorified together. And this is the whole moment. We welcome you into the family. We welcome you into the house. And God is glorified, not just in this moment of growing His kingdom, but it's our heart's desire to also glorify Him and glorify His name together. So we want to welcome you. And we welcome you as a family, like I said. So what it means is we will love you. We will care for you. We will be there for you. But we ask that you be the same to all of us in this very day. You know, family, we have ups, we have downs, we have good times and bad, and there's moments where we need to maybe phone or WhatsApp and say, listen, and let me just tell you, they are active on Instagram and Facebook. That is an awesome thing as well, just take the notes, so you can please follow them and invite them as friends, but we are there to support, and I know in the Afrikaans, the first thing we have is a phone oproep, so please know that we are there, but also this is your family now. Be there for them. Pray with them. Support them. Greet them. So from this day on forward, please welcome Don and Ricks into this house as official family members. I'm going to ask Pastor Rian if you can come forward. We just want to greet you by hand. And then Pastor Anthony, you in the house as well. Please come forward as we greet them as pastors in the house and make it official in this very day. I don't know, Pastor Rian, you want to add something? He's our senior pastor of this church. He's fluent in Afrikaans and Zulus, so 
he can greet you in any any language and donnie as well oh you see please boss anthony if you can just welcome then and then from me sin ons doen drukkies dis hoe ons gaan dis hoe ons gaan welcome welcome can I ask if you can just turn to the screen? We want to play a small video clip that symbolizes this moment. Thank you, passes. You may be seated. is our heart for you. Welcome home. You're no longer strangers. I'm just going to ask, can we stand as a family? Just stretch out your hand. Father God, we pray blessing over them. Father, let them be deeply rooted in your house. They're long, no longer strangers, but Father, family members. You call them friends. Father, we call them family and friends in this house. Father, let it be a blessed journey. Let it be in and through you. Let it be moments, Father, directed in your perfect will. So, Father, it will be moments where we are the head and not the tail. Father, moments of victory in and through you. In the name of Jesus, we pray it over their lives, this house, and each and every one a part of this family. In the mighty name of Jesus, and the house says, amen. Thank you so much. Official welcome. Everyone can take their seats. Please give them a hand. It's official. They are here. I know we've had child dedication this morning as well. So from young to old, it's been a good day in the house of God. So I want to share something quickly. Um, I don't know. You know, sometimes God leads in weird, um, I want to say wonderful manners. There's 20 things on a page, but in your heart, there's one verse or one scripture, one sentence. And sometimes it's as simple as that. So I hope and I prayed and I said, Lord, I hope that this one thing will stand out in this day. I hope that this one moment will change a life. I hope that this one thing will speak directly into situations and questions and maybe struggles. Maybe you sit here in this day and, and you've got questions and you've got frustration and maybe even anger and disappointment. So let this speak into your moment. Allow the Spirit of God 
to go into the places of being vulnerable. This is what it is about in the kingdom of God. So I want to take you back quickly to last week, James 4, verse 1 to 3. And I'm going to read it. It said, what is causing the quarrels and fights amongst you? So James asked the church, the believing, the followers of Christ, he asked the church, what causes the quarrels and fights amongst you? And then he almost gave the answer in the next sentence. We asked another question. He said, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So James kicked it off by asking a question and almost setting the trap. And then there's people like, no, I know who causes the quarrels. It's her. You know, he asked that question almost as a trap to see the arrogance and the pride within the hearts of people, believing people, the believers, the church. And then in the next sentence, by asking a question, he starts pointing fingers. He's like, no, maybe it's no one else except you. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe you are the problem. Maybe the, the answer isn't as complicated as you might think. It might be as simple as you are the problem. Now, let's be real. Let's be honest. It's never nice to realize or maybe hear that you are the weak link. It's never nice to realize and know that you are at fault or it's your mistake or it's your arrogance or it's your pride or maybe it's just you in general. It's not nice. We know it. You know it. I know it. It's never nice to be the guy who the finger points to. It's not nice. It's not fun. But you see, James speaks to the church, and he says that maybe it's time that someone points a finger and someone becomes uh, honest enough in the presence of God to say in love that the problem lies in your heart. Maybe it's you. See, this is James. This is the guy who calls a spade a spade. This is the guy, this is a guy who grew up in the household where Jesus Christ lived as a sibling. This is the guy who knew everything and experienced everything. You see, but James also wrote this. You do not receive because your motives are all wrong. He points the finger again. He says, you ask, you want, you desire, yet a lot of things do not come your way, and especially not in the manner you like it to come. You see, maybe it's about your heart. Maybe it's about your motives. Maybe it's about your mindset. Maybe it's about your lifestyle. Maybe it's about you. That's what James said. See, again, he points the finger. And then he goes on, and you and I might go there, okay, I get the picture, I, I, I understand, okay, just leave me alone. But he adds on to it by saying, you want only what will give you pleasure. You know, sometimes it's that guy. It's like, you, jockey, you, you, you. And then you go like, I get the idea. And there's someone that still goes like, but it's you, it's you, it's you. You know, it's that almost blaming game, but... The whole thing about James is it's based upon the word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not just without, within himself that he writes this. He didn't get up one morning and go like, now I'm going to pick a fight with the church as a whole. He wrote this through the leading of the Spirit and the conviction of the Spirit. And he kept pointing the finger. He kept on poking by saying, maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's you. 
Maybe it's you who allow things. Maybe it's you who schedule your schedule so there's no time for God. Maybe it's you who's arrogant in yourself. Maybe it's you who think too much of yourself. Maybe it's you who take the, the skills and the talents self-granted. It should be there. Maybe it's you. And maybe it's all about your own pleasure in all of it. Can we pause here? Can we just think for a bit? I know in church, it's often like, okay, we sit till 30 minutes and we get out and it's done. But you've got to think about this. Have you paused for a moment in this last week and went like, maybe it's me. Maybe it isn't the structure. Maybe it isn't the leaders. Maybe it isn't the church. Maybe it isn't the word of God. Maybe it's not that God is silent. Maybe it's me. See, he spoke into that moment, and he wanted to address the attitude of the church, the believing community. He wanted to point a finger at the attitudes of the people who called themselves followers of Christ. By saying maybe it is you. See, then I mentioned last week that there's a story in Genesis 4. And we're busy with James 4, so it's easy to remember. But there's a story in Genesis 4 about the two brothers, the siblings, Cain and Abel. Where God spoke into the lives of Cain and Abel and said, bring unto me offering. And they did. And Abel brought the best. He brought the first. He brought the fat. He brought the valuable. He went above and beyond. And he brought an offering unto God. And he said, this is my best. And God accepted it. But his brother, older brother, Cain, brought the least. He was like, ah, I will sift that out. I will see what's left. I will see what's available. And he brought also an offering. But in his heart. And Sayhart, in his attitude, he had the same desire, the same want as his brother Abel to be accepted by God. But God rejected Cain's offering. Why? It wasn't good enough. It wasn't the best. It wasn't from within his heart. It wasn't real. It wasn't authentic. It wasn't a place of God. I want to give you everything. And he didn't mean it. So he brought least. He brought the scraps. He brought the leftovers. And eventually, because of God accepting his brother's offering, Abel's offering, jealousy and pride filled his life. Then God spoke into the life of Cain and said, Cain, why are you angry? Why are you quarreling? Why are you fighting within your heart? Why is this a problem if it's your own fault, you? Maybe the problem is you and not your brother. Maybe the problem is you and not God and not being accepted by God. Maybe it starts and ends with you. And then God warned him in this. And he said, Cain, if you do not guard your heart, if you do not change your attitude, if you don't let go of pride, sin waits around the corner. Now, God could have said a lot of things in that moment. He could have laid it out in detail. He could have spilled it all the beans by saying, this is exactly what's going to happen in the next 31 minutes if you do not change your attitude and look within your heart's condition. But God only said, sin waits if you do not change. So you know the story. Eventually, Cain was filled with jealousy because of pride. He was, he was that 
child and that sibling that wanted it all but gave the least. He didn't want to do the work. And then he was jealous because of his brother's gain. And he did not have a humble attitude in that moment. He didn't have that attitude. He rather rose to the challenge, got angry, prideful his life, and he killed his own brother. Then when God said, where is your brother Abel? He said, is ek dan sy oppasser. So through the pride, arrogance surfaced. Not just arrogance towards his mother and father on this earth, but get this, arrogance to his creator who knows and sees all. And God's response was, listen, listen, Cain, listen, for your brother's blood calls out from the earth. And then a curse followed. God spoke over Cain's life. You see, when pride fills your heart, when pride and arrogance fills your mind, it is God saying, be warned for sin waits around the corner. The God I know in this Holy Spirit that leads who I've, I've met and experienced and have in my life, I know that before the moment of fall and downfall, I know there's always a warning. I know God always speaks and warns, even through sermons like these, or through praise and worship sessions, or maybe one song playing on the radio in your car, but God always warns before the fall. But He never eliminates the moment where you can fall. If that is your attitude, if that is your heart, and you want to be led by pride and being arrogant, He will allow you to go that route. You see, there's a whole tribe in the, in the Bible. There's a, there's a whole kingdom called Moab. Not a lot of people know about Moab. Not a lot of people read about Moab. There's a person, Moab, but there's a kingdom, an ancient kingdom who's currently situated in the old ruins of Jordan. It's, right, it's there in this day. But you see... Moab was a kingdom that was so arrogant and so full of pride. The Bible teaches that their neighbors, so everyone that visited and went away, everyone who lived around the city and knew the people of Moab, knew them for one or two things. They were arrogant and full of pride. Can you imagine that your legacy that people know and the legacy that will go down in history is arrogance and being full of pride? Can you imagine your lifestyle, your attitude, who you were as a person, your identity in the day and time, how, I want to say, extreme it had to be that people only remember you as being full of pride and arrogant? You see, you and I, you and I, we do not, I want to say some days, we do not fall short from that. I think there's days and times where all of us can be called Moabedians. You and I, we can live in the city of Moab some days of our lives. You see, because when you buy something expensive, you buy it out of pride. And his thoughts are all, but you forget where it started and you forget where it comes from. And I must say, some of my favorite conversations is with, with Carl. And I want to honor him in this moment where 
I say, dude, I'm so happy it's going well with you. His first response is, you know, it's only God's grace. You see, that's not a city of Moab. That is a city of Jerusalem where the Israelites dwell, where God's presence is. There's a beloved land. This is a place where the Lord's teamwoordigheid is. It's a place of being humble. Knowing where the water comes from. Knowing where the provision starts. Knowing where everything in your life starts. Knowing the foundation of who you are and where you're heading. Knowing that and knowing it in the spirit is a different place than in arrogance and full of, being full of pride. Walking in a place and a day and a time where it's all about yourself. See this city, Moab, it is written in the word of God. We've heard of the arrogance of Moab's people. They are very arrogant. We've heard of their boasting, their arrogance, and their conceit, but their boast aren't true. Do you know people like this? Oh, I've got so much. Oh, I'm so amazing. Oh, this and oh, that. And look at me. And they walk with their chest out. And they've got the swag going. And when you look into their lives, they've got nothing. It's not true. See, the city was filled with people like that. Hearts full of pride. Who forgot about the one true king. Who forgot about the one true God. Who forgot where it all started. And then only a few verses later, the following is written. The wicked in the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. You see, when your heart has a place for arrogance, when your heart has a place for the spirit of pride, there's no place for God. Those who are full of pride, who believe that they can do it by themselves, they did it by themselves. It's all about them, their ego, and their achievements. When it's all about that arrogance, there's no place for God in that. And they are called wicked. You see, the city of Moab was so full of pride, they were called wicked. A whole city filled with wicked people. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you fall in that city and you break your leg? No one will get down in the mud and dirty their clothes to help you because their hearts are so full of pride, it's all about themselves. Oh, this poor guy, and they just keep walking. That was the truth. That was the reality. That was the city of that day and time. And that was the legacy they left. See, today... James is writing simply this one thing. He's asking the quarreling and the fights amongst you, you as people. That's one thing. But these moments where we quarrel and we fight and we rise up against God who calls into our lives for being humble and having humility in His presence. But we quarrel and fight with God. We also quarrel and fight. We rise to the challenge, and it's not just a fight with people, but we go into a place where we fight with the leading of the Spirit, and our arrogance and our pride do not allow for us to be humble. Now, you might go, that's a lot of words. That's a lot being said. Just, just explain. So let me just mention a story. 
So there's this one pastor. He's, he's in this very day the senior pastor of a big church. But as all pastors, he started off with a, either youth ministry, a Sunday school ministry, or worship ministry in those areas. So he was the youth praise and worship leader. And he was praising, he was worshiping, he did his part, he fulfilled the role, he was led by the Spirit of God. He will get to every meet and they will sing and they will praise God and lift his name on high. It's a worship meet, all right? So everything is sweet and awesome. But then he tells the story of one day where he's on stage and there's many people and young people in front of him. And he's been serving in this church for many years. He was a part of this specific church for many years. And he says, while he was singing, while he was playing, while he was on stage and everyone looking at him, and the lights going, he experienced in his heart that the Spirit said, bow down, get on your knees and just bow down. In that moment, the opposite happened. He went from, oh, hallelujah, to, oh, no, yes, we do not bow down. You see, the word he experienced in his heart had the opposite effect. He didn't bow down. He rather stood upright, even more so. He went against what he experienced in the leading of the Spirit. And then he had this quarrel and this fight with God in the moment where he felt in his heart bowed down. But in his mind, he went like, but Lord, this is not a church where we bow down. Do you not think that God do not know that? Do you not think that God sees all? He knows that church. He knows the culture of that church. Like a Moab and like the church James writes to, he knows But by knowing the church, God is leading that moment, and he says, bow down as the worship leader. So he goes like this, church does not bow down. Come on. Have you ever been in a worship session, in a church meet, at a conference, maybe at a prayer meet, and people start clapping hands, you go like, I do not clap hands. This church, I don't clap hands. Come on. Or people say, Maybe it's stupid. Take off your jacket. Let's relax. No, this church, I don't take off my jacket. People go like, well, let's stand up. No, this church, I don't stand up. You realize you are the church. So that quarrel, that fight this pastor had in that moment was a quarrel and fight with the leading of the Spirit. And he was fighting with the leading of God in the moment. And the more the Spirit said, just bow down. The more he went like, okay, but you know what? I've got a guitar in my hand and these cables. You know, it's difficult to bow down. And then his mind goes like, okay, but you know what? Even if I take the guitar off, you know, there's people, and then maybe I hit someone, and people will laugh. You know, maybe it's not a good idea to bow down. How many times did someone say, but pray about it? And then you go like, but I don't know how to pray. This church, I don't pray. In the leading Of the spirit and the answer you are waiting for, you come up with the quarreling and the fights in the presence of the spirit. The Bible calls that pride. The Bible calls that arrogance. 
The Bible speaks against that. There's verses that say, if you are filled with pride and arrogance, and it's about yourself and not the leading of God, then guess what? You are an enemy of God, suddenly hardcore. And if you are an enemy of God, you are from the world. Then you go like, but I worship in His name. This scripture that says, you will be in His presence and say, but I, I command the demons to flee and come out of people in your name. And God will go, Jesus will go, I do not know you. Even though you used my name, the power is in me, Jesus says, I do not know you. Why? Because pride. It was you. About your will, your deeds, your movement, your uh, gemak, your comfort zone, your dreams, your achievements. But, but you know what? All God wanted in the church James is writing to is to become humble. That was the only message the church had to receive was humble your hearts. Humble thyself. Let go of the attitude of pride. Let go of the, the ego of arrogance and go where the Spirit leads. All God asked this pastor was to bow down. Come on, how difficult is it to do this? How difficult is it to do this? How difficult is it to just fall on the floor and say, here I am. We sing songs like, I bow down, and it doesn't move your body one bit. Isn't that a form of pride? This church, I do not bow. This church, I do not humble. I do not submit. I stand firm in myself. Listen, church, there's moments where God wants us to be vulnerable in the humility and being humble of His leading and His presence. You are created. Gees, seal, and lichaam. Mind, body, and spirit. We should become humble in all three. Being humble in your mind is, Lord, I do not take my own things. I do not create my own plans as you lead me, Father. Your body should follow. When your mind says, Lord, I'm humble, what do you want for this moment? What do you want for this day? And it includes moments where God might say in the queue at checkers, pay the old lady stuff. And you go like, Lord, there's 50 bucks. It's a moment of being humble, Lord, whatever you want. And you put your coat down to pay for the lady's stuff. Your body follows the heart, the mind. God demands us being humble. You see, 1 John 2 verse 16. For everything in the world, the cosmos, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Pride is not from God. Having a heart of, I do not bow, this church does not bow, I do not pray, I do not read, I do not schedule church for these different things that is more important, that is a place of pride. I do not share the gospel. It's a place of pride. I do not get involved. 
I do go home and I dissect the sermon and the Word of God for myself. How can I trust it? Oh, it's God's Word, man. Be humble in that. Let go of the pride. Let go of the arrogance. You are not more clever than anyone else. For when God speaks, He speaks out of Him. He is the Logos. He is the Word which is alive. So James writes and he says, You quarrel and fight. Isn't it because of the evil desires within you? Maybe God wants to answer and maybe God already answered, but maybe the problem is within you. Maybe you are full of pride. Maybe you as a church, you are full of pride. Maybe it's time that this church bows down. Maybe it's time again that you go like, yes, Lord, Aina. Thank you, James. Aina, you've been poking away for half an hour. Aina, the ribs are sore. Aina, the heart is sore now. Aina, I'm offended. Thank you very much, James. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading the pastor in this. It's not what I came for. But maybe it's time that we bow down being humble. See, there's a scripture, James 4 verse 7. Therefore submit to God. Be humble unto God. That's what it says. And then, point. Full stop. See, I ain't sin. Then it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. A lot of people read this as one sentence. It's not. You've got to submit and be humble in God's presence before you can resist, and then he will flee. You cannot resist the devil full of pride, for the devil is pride in himself. You are friends right there. He's like, dude, I know you because I'm that. If you want to resist the devil, if you want him to flee, if you want all the chains to fall off and be broken, if you want strongholds to run away and break, if you want your life to change, you've got to humble yourself before God and in his presence. Then you resist the devil and he will flee. Come on, church. Because this is true. So what we're going to do, we're going to play two songs. We're going to kill the lights. You decide if you want to kneel and bow down in this day. This is now your moment with God. This is now your heart. It's your attitude. It's you. Maybe this spoken to your heart. Maybe this spoken to your life. Maybe James poked away and it's Aina. Then tell your Aina freer. Share it with God. Let the Spirit speak. So if you need to get up and get your own space, there's a lot of corners, there's a lot of open seats, get your space. Maybe it's time to be humble. Our God.